Hi, I'm Linnea, and you are listening to the All-American Spook Show. It is so scary. You might not be able to sleep all night long. It's a scream. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Close tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. But Mother Superior is Santa Claus. Now I have another reason to hate Christmas. Now that hell is full, I wonder where you will go. The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. You're my family now. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible. Yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus. The All-American Spook Show Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Professor Smoke. What's up? Will and Donnie both had some uh, holiday assignments to go out and do this week, so they are not going to be joining us here, but we're going to be kicking off the month of December and all of our holiday horror spectacularness. <laughs> with Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Now we're gonna be getting to the one that the Patreon poll was for back in the month of November. We're gonna be getting getting to that in two weeks. So two weeks from this, the release of this episode, you'll get that one. And that will be uh, episode 87, which comes out on December 20th. So I just wanna give you the heads up. This isn't the one that uh, you know the, patri- the patrons voted for in the month of November for December. That will be coming up in two weeks. So. We decided to do this one, uh, probably one of the one of the better, you know, more favorite, I should say, Silent Night or uh, Christmas horror movies uh, in Silent Night, Deadly Night, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely one of the fan favorites, too, yeah. I, I guess yeah. you say. I think you would look, I think if you just looked up top 10 best Christmas horror movies on Google, this, I'd be shocked if this didn't yeah. pop up on just about every list you see. It's going to be somewhere. If it ain't number one, yeah. it's... It's on that top ten somewhere, right? Yep. And it's, it's just, a, you know, it's a fun slasher movie, plus the fact of the whole history of the controversy of the movie. <laughs> I think that also plays a big part on why it's also at the top of people's Christmas li- or Christmas, Christmas horror list and things, yeah. too, just to, especially for the people that remember it when it came out back then. That, uh, and, the whole hullabaloo that we'll get into about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that here shortly. We actually even have a clip, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, it's only... Uh, about two and a half minutes long, so I figured it was worth playing. It's basically Siskel and Ebert. Let's just say, let's call it as it is. They're just taking a big dump on this movie uh, <laughs> for two and a half minutes. But since it's fairly brief, I figured we'd play that a little bit later on and let you hear it. So uh, we'll get to that. But uh, before, I guess, we'll get into the initial reactions and all that stuff, and before we get to the trailer, I'll go ahead and toss the usual information. If you wanted to email us, contact us, message us, you know, uh, tell Will to fuck himself, whatever, you can do that at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Of course, you can always DM us on Twitter, you know, messages and uh, uh, just follow us, everything we do there on uh, Twitter, at AA Spook Show. You can fi- find us on Instagram, Facebook, the Slasher app by searching for All American Spook Show. Same deal over on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel where every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. East, we go live with Deadline Horror News where, you know, we talk about the, 
latest goings-ons and horror, you know, the latest headlines and uh, other horror anniversary dates and box office numbers, all that stuff we go through every week live on YouTube every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. East, uh, on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Show. Every Tuesday we have a new video mini-sode where the, the main attraction there is the Library of the Professor where Smoke finds something from his uh, vast library that you see in the videos behind him, you know, whenever you're watching our videos. Um, he'll pick something off the shelf, you know, movies, books, uh, masks, whatever he wants to talk about back there, and then we, we rate it, talk about it, whatever. It's always a good time. That comes, those come out every Tuesday over on Patreon. And like I said, that's patreon.com slash Show. We have our T Public page where you can get logoed merchandise, other cool designs. Um, you should be able to find that once again by searching for All American Spook Show over on T Public. Uh, all these things that I just mentioned should be down in the show notes. We have a link tree link there. You click on that and you should see all the links to all our various things the YouTube page, the T Public, Patreon, all the other places to find the podcast. And of course, like we always try to remind you, um, uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, which our numbers show that a great deal of our listeners listen to us, go down there and rate us five stars, you know, and uh, leave some comments. It helps uh, helps out the cause. It helps spread the uh, eyeballs and the ears to get to listen to this. So that the more ratings we get, the more people that, you know, it gets spread to more people. So we would much appreciate if you go give us a five-star review over there. That would be massively helpful. And, of course, we're, we've, I'm trying to get better about also reminding you of this before we dive into anything. We are a spoiler-filled podcast. Like, we dive deep into the movie, and we're going to spoil it for you. So, if for whatever reason, at this point, you haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984, pause this. Go check it out. Now, admittedly, this one's a little bit harder to track down. Like, you can rent it on YouTube and a couple other places. But, like, as far as I could see, there's no streaming home for this movie. So it's a little bit, you know, harder to track down if you don't want to go buy the Blu-ray or whatever, which honestly I would suggest, you know, for this or any movie we talk about, go track down, find the, you know, the best Blu-ray versions you can find. That's always the best way. But uh, if you're only interested in doing streaming, uh, the only place I could find it was like, you know, for rent on YouTube. So there are options, just a little more limited than usual, no streaming home. So, but yeah, pause this, go watch the movie. It's only, what, about an hour 20-something, give or take which version you're watching, right? And then come back and listen to the rest of us and, you know, hear, hear us uh, talk about it and give our ratings and all that. So, yeah, so with all that out of the way, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there.
made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas. Silent night. Deadly night. Alright, so there's the trailer for that. So, I guess we'll go ahead and get, you know, since uh, there's only the two of us here, we'll go ahead and get into your your um, history with the movie and your initial reactions and how you felt about it now and everything. You know, of course, we'll give our star ratings later, but just uh, what's your early take on it? Well, well, first of all, let's start, since we just saw the, or listened to the trailer, let's start there, because that's, <laughs> I remember that uh, commercial when it came on, and I was only, I mean, we're talking about 1984. I was about... I was 11 years old when this movie came out in 84. <laughs> and I remember that trailer with the, I specifically remember the act, the uh, Santa Claus hands, you know, the, the Santa suit, you don't see his face, you see the act in the frame and everything. And, and that was, that was the, the trailer that sparked off all the stuff that we'll get into as far as the controversy. Of the, it, and I, I'm pretty sure it aired, I can't remember what football game, but it, it first aired in some football game that was, uh, I can't remember what teams were playing, whatever the case may be. And it just like, they got inundated with, uh, with shit from parents, basically, yeah, outraged at it. But yeah, I definitely remember that trailer. Now, I didn't see it in the theater at that time because, uh, again, as we'll get into, that was a limited run when it came out and it did not play in the city I was in. Not that I would have been able to go see it anyway. My parents weren't, I mean, I would have gone to see it if I could. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I guess I was the kid that the parents were worried about. Like, uh, <laughs> they were all up in arms about the, you know, kid just what that, just that trailer itself, not to mention the movie. I mean, I don't know what parents are going to take the kids. They're, you know, young, impressionable kids and see Silent Night, Deadly Night back then. But whatever the case, uh, my parents wouldn't have taken me to see that at 11 years old. So I wasn't going to have to wait until it came out on video, which it did eventually a few years later. Uh, I can't remember exactly what year the VHS came out. I want to say it was, it was at least past 85, maybe in 86. Renting that movie was the first time I saw it. And it was in a big box VHS with that poster art with like the, the Santa Claus's arm holding the axe with the chimney. You know, it's like he's going down the chimney with the axe. Yeah, and another promotional, <laughs> the promotional poster that pissed off parents, I guess, uh, seeing that because I think that poster did get plastered up on like some billboards and things in big cities, you know, like, probably in New York and California, if I had to guess. So yeah, I saw it on VHS. That rid of that that big box stuck out with a big Santa Claus. I already knew about it because of the trailer. I just didn't know what was how long it was going to take before it got the video. Yeah, the and, uh, uh, the information it, I found on that there was the movie was originally released on VHS in 1986 through USA Home Video, and yeah. then and then in 1987, okay. the film was re-released on VHS by International Video Entertainment. Yeah, now that's the, I have that International Video on on uh, VHS still, and I think that's the uncut version. I'm not I can't remember if that big box, the one that came out in USA, might have been the theatrical cut. Which again, we'll get into all this a little bit as we get into the episode a little further. As uh, was R-rated, I believe that initial release was probably that's how i saw it was that that first one that first big box usa video release thing yeah and I, I thought it was a little bit a few years later which it was 1986 by that time i was fully inundated with horror that was like 85 and going into 86 that was the time that i like went from just being a somebody who liked horror movies a lot to buying fangoria magazine and whatnot so i definitely was very well aware of this movie when it hit VHS, it was, it was an awesome slasher movie. I was very much into slashers. Halloween, Friday the 13th, and the holiday slasher movies were right up my alley. And this one, upon first watching it, definitely delivered. And that was in that R-rated version. It took a little while longer again before that. I think the IVE released that unrated version, which has a little bit more stuff as far as in the, the gore department. But uh, yeah, that first initial viewing was like, wow, this is, you know, you, and you can see what, what, what pissed off parents, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their, thing was, their thing, I think, was that it was, 
they were thinking the way it was marketed that it was actual going to be actually Santa Claus, Santa Claus killing people. Yeah. Even though but, the name of the fucking movie is Silent Night, Deadly Night, like that should be like yeah. right there. That should be your first cue, right? Like, <laughs> why would you be fooled into thinking it's anything other than that? What the hell? What's that? Oh, you mean other than? Yeah, I mean, like if you just saw the name of the movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night, why would you think it's something family friendly? You know, like, even if you saw nothing, oh. you saw no images, you saw no Santa, oh, anything. Yeah, yeah. If it's called that, it's not a family movie. Like, what, what kind of family yeah, I movie? I don't even know how they would think anybody would be tricked into taking their kids to see this, too. I mean, it's R-rated. It's, it's on the posters, on the, in the theater, you know, it's an R-rated movie. And I don't, I don't think you're going to accidentally take your kids to see it. Now, the no, people that knew what it was, knew that it was an R-rated movie, and, I mean, that... Well, again, we'll get into all this once we get to that part of it. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just uh, a bit ridiculous when you think about all that. And that, that, that it would probably not, well, it definitely wouldn't happen today. You know, people are not as uptight about that type of stuff now as they were then. The whole It plays into that whole mindset of, like, the satanic panic when it came to, like, heavy metal and, and you know, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. A lot of things set parents off back then. I think more so than now. I, think, I don't know if that has to do with a loosening of whatever or, or just, uh, you know, all that led to, you know, you got video game stuff and all. It's just so much more stuff out there that to, for parents to worry about than movies or yeah. music or whatever. Yeah, especially now. Like, I dare say, like, it's probably not as popular to watch movies as much as it used to be just with kids in general when we were kids you know that was like one of the things you wanted to do you wanted to go to a movie theater and watch a movie you wanted to go to blockbuster or your you know local mom and pop and rent a movie every weekend like you know that was just part of what we did growing up but like you know growing up in the 80s and 90s and all that but now i think it's you know the the way entertainment is consumed has changed that mentality with a lot of kids you know, and, and I just look at it from, like, my kid's perspective. You know, like, my daughter's only three, so she doesn't know what's up and down, right? But my son, he's 10. Unless I make him sit down and watch a movie, he doesn't go seek out movies. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. and when I was yeah. 10, I, that's all I did, man. You know, like, <laughs> I know every kid's different, but you get my point. You know, like, times are different yeah. now. You know, they just they don't seek it out. They don't care about it so much. So I think that mentality... I think there's still people there like, oh, I don't want my kids to see stuff like that. You know, and I agree to an extent. Like, I'm not going to let, you know, I think it's just up to the kid, right? Like, as far as, like, do you think your kid is mature enough to, to handle this without, you know, without traumatizing him or turning him into a serial killer or something like that? You know, <laughs> that's a parent's decision, you know, period. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, like, and that, that, that naturally leads us into what we're talking about here with the controversy of this movie and like you said a lot of that from what i could tell came from the advertising campaign the one the one thing i found here says particularly particularly in its posters and tv spots that made significant emphasis on a killer being dressed as santa claus (laughs) so i mean you you can see where people would be like oh what the hell you know like (laughs) but like i said i mean all you would need in my opinion all i would need to see as a parent and my kid says, hey, I want to go see this movie. Well, what do you want to see? Silent Night, Deadly Night? No. I don't need to see a trailer. Oh. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need to see anything. You want to go see Silent Night, Deadly Night? Uh, I think I need to screen this first, you know? <laughs> I'm not just going to, like, all right, well, here's two tickets. Go, you and uh, your, your friend buddy have fun, you know? Like, what, what, kind of parent, what kind of parenting is going on here, you know? But whatever, right? It was the 80s, so I guess, you know, maybe there were, there were a lot more kids sneaking into movies and stuff and, you know, the old trick of buying like a ticket to see, uh, you know, whatever latest Disney cartoon is out, and then sneaking in to see Silent Night, Deadly Night. But 
you know, that doesn't, uh, to me, that doesn't mean you should just, like, pull it out. You know, like, well, kids might see this. Yank it out of the theaters, you know. <laughs> because <laughs> because that's essentially what happened right after that, right? Like, it says, like, the PTA or whatever, they fought to have the movie removed from theaters, you know, due to the subject matter or whatever. And, it, and the fact that it was shown around Christmas. <laughs> and it points out here, although an earlier film with a similar premise, Christmas Evil, had gone unnoticed. <laughs> I can see why. But, it, yep. I mean, well, four years earlier, right? Yep. And also, uh, you've got to go back further than that, 1970, 1972, Tales from the Crypt, the uh, British one. Yeah. It was based on the Tales from the Crypt comic. Had the I remember that. Same, uh, the Santa story that, you know, the, the Tales from the Crypt, TV series yep. had later on. I forget I, what the I, name of that story was. This is one that was. And I remember seeing both versions of that: the old '70s, you know, the anthology movie, and that that early Tales from the Crypt episode, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, whenever that came out. I remember seeing both of those when I was a kid, and both of them scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And neither of those movies, both of those movies, had Santa people dressed as Santa killing people, and out both of them had an act at one point or other in the movie. and But no, there was no think about it. The only reason I think that is is because of directly related to that advertising campaign where they had the trailer that had the, you know, has a Santa-clad killer with an axe. Plus <laughs> the two, other movies... Plus two, Christmas, e- Christmas Evil, let's face it, that probably just went unnoticed because nobody watched it. But let's let's yeah. be honest here. You know, like I, I remember when we talked about that, like I don't even think that got a release, or if it did, it was a very small release. Yeah, probably... I, Without having, without looking it up, I would assume it probably ran on the drive-in circuit in the grindhouse yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So slightly maybe it had released in big cities or whatever. Slightly different set, slightly different set of circumstances, slightly different time period. You know, four years is, doesn't seem like a long time, but you know things changed. You know, and both yeah. the, and to the the other point, both of those tales from the crypt. You know, the the show and that movie probably got to hide behind the veil of the fact that it was called Tales from the Crypt and not, you know. Yeah, Santa Claus is going <laughs> yeah, to not... kill you. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> if you didn't watch it, you didn't know it, right? So, and that yeah. you know the 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 famous one with the crypt keeper and everything that everybody you know looks back and enjoys now. That was on HBO, so you know that's not like there was a bunch of kids around the TV uh, watching HBO, you know, for this particular episode or anything like that. So, di- different set of circumstances, but yes, I, I see what you're saying. But it says TV advertisements, which aired between episodes of family-friendly series such as Three's Company and Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> you know, you said it was during a football game. I bet you back then that was probably like Monday Night Football because I don't think there were, you know, say in 1984, I don't know how many like nationally broadcast NFL games there were back then. Or maybe college football or something like that. But I bet you it was Monday Night Football. Because, yeah, probably was. But apparently – Large crowds of people formed at theaters, blah, 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 and they protested it. At its East Coast premiere, it says at, uh, at the Interboro Quad Theater in the Bronx, in New York, protesters picketed the theater and sang Christmas carols in protest. In response, TriStar Pictures, the film's original distributor, pulled all ads for the film six days after its release on November 15, 1984. And I should add, this movie was released on uh, November 9, 1984. The movie itself was also withdrawn shortly thereafter due to the controversy due to the you know public outcry producer ira barmack told people magazine quote people have taken offense at santa being used in a scary context santa claus is not a religious figure he's a mythic character i didn't deliberately ride roughshod over that sensitivity and i didn't anticipate the objection to it so yeah 
clearly you, you see, and, and this will naturally lead us into what Siskel and Ebert had to say about it. And I guess now is as good a time as any just to go ahead and play the clips. Like I said, this is about two and a half minutes long, but here, here's the clip. Not a Our X-ray subject this week, the controversial Santa Claus killer movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Actually, there have been two controversies about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Even before the film was released a couple of weeks ago, its TV ad campaign caused a furor with its brief depiction of an axe-carrying Santa Claus. The distributor of this film, TriStar Pictures, which is co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office, pulled the commercial out of release after a week of protests by parents led by a Milwaukee group. Of course, commercials like that usually die out after a week anyway, so thanks a lot, fellas. But there's no question in my mind that the showing of Santa with an axe on free TV and commercials is sick and sleazy and mean-spirited. So let's repeat the names of the people who did it. <laughs> TriStar Pictures, co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office. Shame on you. Now, as for the film, I've got news for you. It's worse than the TV ads. Telling a typical mad slasher story about a boy who witnesses his father being shot and his mother being stabbed to death by a maniac in a Santa Claus suit. So now the traumatized kid grows up and is asked to work in a, in a toy store as Santa one Christmas, and it freaks him out. He impales one naked girl on a set of antlers, spears another woman with a bow and arrow, and another with a knife, and yes, we even see Santa give one little girl a bloody knife as a gift and threaten another little girl with physical punishment as he sits on his lap. You might think that it would be funny, Roger, or it's played as quite sick in the film. So, let me repeat the names of the writer and director and producers of this film. Michael Hickey wrote the film, Charles E. Sellier Jr. directed it, and Ira Richard Barmack produced it. You people have nothing to be proud of, even if you made a few bucks off of all the negative publicity. Your profits truly are blood money. And Silent Night, Deadly Night now has the distinction of joining I Spit on Your Grave as one of the two most contemptible films I've seen. And I don't mean to think it's campy, it really is quite awful. I'm glad you mentioned those people's names because quite frequently they think, gee, we'll make this exploitation film, we'll be able to buy our uh, Mercedes and live in Bel Air, and nobody right. will ever know what we did. But I would like to hear them explain to their children and their grandchildren uh -huh. that it's only a movie. Yeah. I think that would be a real interesting explanation. So there you go. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what uh, Siskel and Ebert just roasted everyone involved. <laughs> Yeah, I love how they just call them out. They like call them out by name, like uh, the writer, the producer, the director. Yeah. They can all go to hell. And I, yeah. you know, <laughs> fuck I these that way, shame on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck these dudes. And here's his names: Charles L. Celia, uh, Michael Hickey. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> these kind of movies to me, like you, you should know what to expect. Now, is it uh, maybe marketed the wrong way? You know, you know, maybe they probably should have put a little bit more uh, thought into that, I guess. It just kind of plays in with that whole thing, with the marketing thing. And a, there was an interview with, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress that plays the head uh, the head nun, after we get into the story into, at the uh, orphanage. The, the Mother Superior? Yeah, the Mother Superior. Mm -hmm. I whatever her, the actress's name was, there was an interview with her, and she was saying how, how they, that whole controversy probably would never have happened had they not marketed it the way they did with the promo that would show the guy with, you know, with the axe, the Santa killer and everything. And then the posters that were plastered on billboards with the Santa coming out the chimney or going down the chimney rather, which is true. Yeah. If they, yeah. if they had kind of maybe gone a different direction with that, I, I, I feel like that if they had not even shown that, you know, they had the trailer, but didn't show the, the, the Santa killer with the axe and maybe had that poster 
different for different markets. You know, for the billboard, they could have a different poster. Maybe for the theater, okay, they have that one. But if they marketed that way, more than likely, they would have never had those parents out there protesting. They would probably, Cisco and Ebert would have tore it apart still, but who cares, you know. Yeah. It wouldn't have protested. Right. And like, the theaters get it pulled out of the theaters, you know. I like I feel the, like he, he, he throws this, uh, he threw this in the movie, or this movie in the trash heap with I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> I think it's ironic yeah. that now, fast forward, like, that's probably one of our two favorite movies. Uh, <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave yeah. and Silent no, <laughs> I mentioned Maniac. I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if they, I'm pretty sure they probably tore Maniac up. The same, the same kind of scene happened with the movie Maniac earlier, yeah. not with the Christmas scene. So Maniac does have a tie-in. Yeah. We talked about this somewhere. Yeah, which we just. I don't remember if it was. Yeah, we were just talking about that on. Uh, uh, oh gosh, no, I can't remember. It was either on the holiday. No, no, we haven't gotten to that one yet on holiday horse. So it must have been on the uh, the YouTube show or uh, over on Patreon. Yep. Yeah. Or we weren't even online. We were just chatting. <laughs> Who knows? Everything's a blur at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, but yeah. Anyway, it does have a slight tie into Christmas, but not a Christmas Santa killer, but it did have a big stink about you know, the, the mean-spiritedness of the killing and the slashers and the misogyny or whatever of that movie had a lot of people up in arms about it, too. So. To me, that, that's uh, the other thing about this one, because we'll get into that shortly once we get into the blow-by-blow and everything, but, like, really, what's this movie about? It's about, like, don't treat a kid for, like, a like a fucking piece of shit just for something he can't help, right? Like, they basically, like, yeah. mentally tortured this kid into becoming, like, a psycho killer. Like, really, that's what it's about, right? Like, watch out for mental health, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know there's a lot of cheap thrill kills and everything in it throughout, you know, that entertain us throughout the way. You know, if that's the kind of thing you like, this is the kind of thing you'll really like, you know, in this kind of movie. But I think ultimately the point of this movie is, like, look, uh, if you got some serious trauma in your life, you should get some good help and not not trust some fucking, you know, uh, hard-headed, hell-bent uh, uh, nun to uh, <laughs> to fix some kid. I mean, she basically just beat on him and ignored him, and then it turned him into a fucking monster. You know, in a lot of ways, yeah, that's what it's about. I'm not even talking about what happened before that. You know, like, you got yeah. Grandpa, <laughs> Crazy yeah. Grandpa, which, again, we'll get into the, the plot of the movie. You got Crazy Grandpa telling some shit. You got... The and Santa then, Claus right after that, his parents. What he does. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, just, just, you know, launches the whole thing, you know, fucks him up initially, you know. yeah. <laughs> and I then mean, get to the Mother Superior. Yeah. All this horrible, horrible things happen to you. And then, like, and that's the other thing. She's well aware of it. You're like, I'm aware of what's oh. happened to him. But still, fuck this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That's what it's more about. I think, it, I think it's more about, like, uh, in this movie, at least, it's kind of like railing against... Uh, orphanages, organized religion, and uh, mental health, right? Like, <laughs> that's really kind of more, you know, at, at its core is what it, they're talking about here. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting case study. And, like, you know, as far as, like, how a movie can get ostracized for, you know, for some reasoning that, you know, kind of some of it was self-inflicted and some of it not. But uh, just to further the point, this movie came out, uh, November 9th, 1984. So I'll go through the top 10 box office and just and just show you how, like, they, once again, kind of shot themselves in the foot, but also kind of got drugged down for, you know, reasons that were probably, you know, d- didn't need to happen. Uh, number 10, that week, the same weekend, it opened up. This movie opened up as well. A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, made $1.2 million. Number nine, All of Me, whatever the hell that is, and it's eighth week. But number eight, Silent Night, Deadly Night, with 1.4 million. 
So it made about 200 grand, a little less than 200 grand more than A Nightmare on Elm Street did in its opening week. So you tell me during like Christmas time, this time of the season, this movie would have probably raked it in. If it and oh yeah, oh, and by the way, that was in only now. Granted, this was this was in more theaters than A Nightmare on Elm Street in its opening week. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street only played in 165 theaters, and Silent Night, Deadly Night was only in 398. But if this thing had went wide and say, let's just say it had doubled its theaters, God, I mean, like it's 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 not hard to imagine this thing would have raked it in, right? Oh no, yeah, Cisco Niebert were dead wrong when they said that one thing on there about. They were talking about how the protesters came out, and after, within a week it got pulled, and they're like, usually these kind of movies are die out within two weeks. Well, that might be the case for some flashes, but I guarantee you this one coming out at Christmas time mm-hmm. with some of the initial, before the protest, with some of the initial controversy tied into it, I think that brought more people to the theater too. Yeah, I can yeah. easily see it making... I don't think it would have been breaking records or anything like that, but I think it would have been no. safe to say this thing would have been a, you know... A movie that made a lot of money, considering the budget that I could find was only estimated roughly about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, yeah, <laughs> they damn near doubled their money, if not right, like in one week. So, yeah, this thing would have rolled. Oh yeah, I mean, and you and, you, and it got released November 9th, and that's like, you know, you got a full month. Yeah, two months basically to Christmas. Yeah, they could have easily got a month, month and a half, you know, squeezing that juice uh, during that time. Oh yeah, year. yeah. Um, that that wasn't genius. I mean, it would have been if it hadn't been for that for the protest, and it, or they could have just wrote it out and just said "fuck that" and we'll just play it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I think like, they got you know, some. Tristar pussied out on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Like they got strong armed by some you know pretty big groups, so they really had no choice in the end. But yeah, it is what it is. You know, I'll, I'll finish the top ten here just because it's always interesting to hear. Number seven was Teachers. Number six, Amadeus. Number five, A Soldier's Story. Number four, Places in the Heart. Number three, in its opening weekend, No Small Affair. Number two, The Terminator, the first one. And, and it was in its third week, uh, still rolling. And number one, <laughs> Terminator had just got knocked down from number one to number two this week for the new opening <laughs> the new opening of the new film, Oh God, You Devil. <laughs> George, <laughs> oh God, you devil pushed pushed Terminator down. Huh? Yep, it pushed it down in its second or no Terminator was in its third week, so I guess it had been number one for two weeks at least, or at least one week, but two weeks I believe. And then it got pushed out by George Burns. Oh God, you devil! The third, the uh, third second sequel to what's mm-hmm. the first one called? Just Oh God, uh, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, book two. Oh God, you devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the power of George Burns was strong at this uh, in 1984. But, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that uh, you know history looks back at A Nightmare on Elm Street as like being one of the most successful, and it definitely is one of the more successful franchises of all time. But Silent Night, Deadly Night beat it out in its first week. That being said, as far as franchises are concerned, Silent Night, Deadly Night did go on to to to, to uh, spurn a, a a whole franchise within itself too. So, like I said, November 9th, nineteen eighty four, Silent Night, Deadly Night came out, and the whole controversy and blah blah blah. Then in nineteen eighty seven, April of nineteen eighty seven, for some reason, <laughs> I guess they wanted to steer clear of fucking Christmas after the last debacle. Uh, April of 1987, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 came out. Then, in, and now all these are uh, directed by different people too, by the way. The second one was directed by Lee Harry. The first one, which we kind of mentioned briefly there earlier, 
was directed by Charles Sillier. Is that how you say it? S-E-L-L-I-E-R. I think that's how you say it. Um, I think French. Yeah. And it's yeah. not in a cellular, I guess. But. We'll, we'll go with it. Charles Sillier Jr. <laughs> uh, the second one, much easier to pronounce, was directed by Lee Harry. The, then in November of 1989, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Better Watch Out, was released. And that was directed by Monty Hillman. November 21st, 1990, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation. And that was directed by Brian Usna. November 7th, 1991, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker, directed by Martin Kittrasser. And then the, uh, I guess you could say remake, reboot, however you want to frame it, in 2012, November 30th of 2012, Silent Night came out. Now, I believe the fourth and fifth one, you know, before you get to that remake, whatever you want to label that one, I don't think the fourth and fifth one had anything to do with uh, the original three, right? Because I think the actually the two and three actually kind of connected story wise. If I'm not, if I'm incor- you know, if I'm not oh. wrong. Yeah, well, part two is pretty much the first movie retold for about the, half the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like I remember watching part two and like this is just the first movie. It's like flashback. It's his brother flashbacking of the first movie for like a good portion of that movie mm-hmm. until it. That movie finally takes off. But yeah, it is linked at least. And then, yeah, part three is as well. Yeah, part And then they kind of go off in totally different worlds with the other ones. Now, I believe, uh, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, I think those were direct to video as well. I know at least the third one was that I can tell here. Uh, but I think the second one might have been. I'm not sure if it got a release or not. It might have been in theaters uh, in April of 1987. But the third one, Better Watch Out, that was a direct to video release. And that was a sequel to, you know, to that. So they're connected. I'm pretty sure four and five though, and then that remake, not connected, but either way, it spawned a uh, a fr- you know a, a, anytime you get a movie that's going to spawn what uh, five more movies, you know that's that's fairly successful in its own right, and and because of the circumstance and you know the years that have passed and everything like that, this movie has become a cult classic, right? So at least there's that for them, and because of that, it's been released in multiple different versions and. And ways over the years. Like I said earlier, uh, 1986, VHS on USA Home Video. 1987, VHS by IVE, International Video Entertainment. Then in 1991, home video rights were transferred to Avid Home Entertainment. And then it came out again on VHS that year. So that's what, one, two, three VHS copies from 86, 87, and 91. Then it was released on DVD three times in the U.S. by Anchor Bay Entertainment. The first one was a double feature disc along with Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 in 2003. The second release was in 2007, and then the film was released on DVD in the UK in 2009 by Arrow Video, and uh, that one has a bunch of uh, extra stuff on it. Uh, December of 2012, it was again released alongside Part 2 as a two-disc Christmas survival double feature. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't know where you'd come up with that fucking tag for these movies, but containing the same archival bonus features as that uh, 2003 release. And September of 2014, it was released, finally released on Blu-ray by Anchor Bay Stars Entertainment. Um, no special features were included, uh, except for some commentary and whatnot. And that Blu-ray contains exactly the same release as previous DVD editions with the extended scenes edited back into the movie with the no- noticeable picture quality changes. Now, before I continue, when I watched this, uh, I, 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 like I said, I couldn't find it digging around you know other than trying to buy it which uh 
I could have swore I owned it, but apparently I didn't when I went back and looked through my stuff. So I, I need to get around to buying the Blu-ray of this. But I watched it by renting renting it on YouTube this time around, and you can definitely tell when they those little scenes that they sl- like spliced back in. You can definitely tell the picture quality goes like 40, 40 layers down. You know, <laughs> it goes from like you know this doesn't look too bad for a movie from nineteen eighty four to ugh, what the fuck happened? You know. <laughs> Which version did you watch for this? Uh, I watch, well, I have it on VHS, but I watched the uh, Blu-ray that not the Arrow Arrow one, but the uh, the Anchor Bay. They put one out. They did. They put one out in 2014, yeah. and then in which I was about to get yeah. to in 2017, Shout Factory, you know, through Scream Factory label, they released the two disc collector's edition on Blu-ray and DVD. Okay. Yeah, that I have that initial 2014 release on okay. Blu-ray, but I don't have any of the other ones. Now that 2014 one is probably the same cut you saw because it does it has the unrated scenes added back in, but obviously from a different, less uh, pristine source. Those <laughs> uh, gore and some of the other scenes that they had uh, excised for whatever reason. I, I know there were some that weren't even gore or or nudity or anything that were excised. Just oh, yeah, some random scenes. It, yeah, you can tell it even from that print that I watched, like. A lot of that stuff that they cut out, it didn't look like that. Now, some of it was, you know, obviously for gore. But a yeah. lot of it was yeah. like, it was just cutaways and stuff like that. I guess for pacing yeah. purposes, you know, they they, yeah, they cut it out. Uh, according to this now, this, you know, you, when you're getting your information, you never know if it's directly correct. But according to this, it says there is yet to be a release of the full uncut print from a single source. So that could be something that maybe, maybe they unearth one of these days. We literally just talked about it on Deadline Horror News, what, a week or two ago. Uh, that they just found a new cut, uh, like basically a director's cut of the stuff that had like 30 extra minutes in it. Fr- straight from a, like, a, here's a 35 millimeter print that's like 30 minutes longer. And that and they just randomly found that from like the Academy uh, uh, Arts and Sciences or something like that. So, hey, you never know. There might, there might be a fully uncut 35 millimeter print of this movie somewhere you know that just hasn't been dug up yet yeah i would i'd love to see that i'd love to see one put together i mean now this isn't this isn't the worst i've seen i've seen some uh a couple some movies out there that have the only print they could find is a vhs <laughs> yeah that had the uncut scenes and they had and they actually made a composite of the very nicely remastered 35 millimeter print and then if, if you think this is noticeable try watching some like Fifth generation VHS insert put into a 35 millimeter, you know, remaster. <laughs> I've seen that on a big screen too. I've seen. I, I want to say that it, maybe it was my, my bloody Valentine that was like that. That the they have a couple of gore scenes that were extended on that they could only find on VHS and not the best condition VHS. And they put that back in. I mean, you could watch it without those scenes in it, or you could watch it with those scenes added in. And I saw it on the big screen with those scenes added in. And wow, you could. Yeah. You could definitely difference when it hits the VHS on a actual movie screen or even on the DVD. Noticeable, but I'm glad to have it though. I'd rather, I'd rather them do that than not do that. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? At least you see. At I'd least like you get to see, to see it. it. Yeah. Um, now to that, basically the conclusion is probably the best current version as we sit here and talk about this in December of 2021. The best current version you're going to see of this is probably that 2017 Scream Factory release because it is the the film remastered in 4K resolution from the original negative. So that's probably probably going to be about as good a copy as you're going to see, you know, as we speak here in December of 2021, unless, like I said, some magic print, you know, pops up from somewhere that, you know, we didn't know about before and they get to remaster that and blah, blah, blah. But 
Um, there's a lot of extra stuff on that one too, like a new documentary and um, interviews and commentaries and stuff like that. It also contains the original special features from the two, 2003 and 2012 DVD and the 2014 Blu-ray releases as well. So like that's a two disc collector set that's got pretty much everything you would want about this movie um, that you could that can be had and found up to this point in time that we're talking. So that would be the one you want, and that's the one. I, that's the one that I thought that I had had bought at some point. I, it must have been one of those deals where, like, yeah, I'm going to get that, and then, like, oh, I'll get around to it, and then forgot about it, and then just thought I bought it and never bought it, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I could have swore I had it. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, get into the uh, the cast and crew and everything real quick before we get into the movie itself. Like I said, it was directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr., who's honestly mostly known for, like, his producing credits. I mean, on IMDb, he's got 72 producing credits because he only directed – he only has four directing credits on here. Uh, he directed a documentary in 1979 called Encounter with Disaster, then Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, the same year a movie called Snowballing, and then the next year in 85, The Annihilators. That's all he ever directed. Because everything else, uh, is most of his credits are for 14 credits for writing and 72 per, for producing. And uh, I guess the, the biggest known for is there would be as a writer on Miracles and Other Wonders. That was a series in the uh, mid-90s. He was a producer on en Encounters with the Unexplained in the early 2000s. He was a producer on the movie The Adventures of Frontier Fremont. A little, little bit of everything, man. Like, um, producing-wise, I mean, it went. his credits go all the way back to 1975. Like I said, The Adventures of Frontier Fremont um, as, uh, as a... Uh, I'm sorry, that's as a direct... Or, I'm sorry, as a writer. Good Lord. As a producer, they go back to The Brothers O'Toole in 1973. But he also did, like, The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. You know, a lot of that type... Documentary-type stuff, wilderness-type stuff, a lot... In the 70s and early 80s, documentaries on the Bermuda Triangle, you know, stuff like that. He was one of the pioneers of uh, a market testing, of market testing, like films and stuff, and a, a, a something called four-walling, quote-unquote four-walling, which is renting a theater to show his movies, thereby enabling him to keep all the profits for himself. So <laughs> apparently he was one of the first dudes to do this, like in the late 70s, which it says garnered him the distinction of having more pictures in the top 50 independent grocers than any other independent producer in the 1970s. So a lot of that Grizzly Adams type stuff. And he founded and was the president of Grizzly Adams Productions, Inc. So, you know, that was the kind of stuff that he did in search of Noah's Ark, Chariots of the Gods, in, in search of Historic Jesus, the Bermuda Triangle, 1978, one of your favorite movies from 1981, The Boogans. <laughs> oh, yeah, The Boogans. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. That is fun. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so interesting career the guy had. Unfortunately, he passed in January of 2011 at the age of 67, so still fairly young when he when he passed. From what I could tell, he was still somewhat active, you know, like uh, it seemed like around 2008 is when he kind of stopped, stopped doing stuff, so he must have uh, had some type of illness. I didn't read past, you know, too far into uh, what happened to him there. His, uh, clearly, his, his uh, he left a mark on the business, you know, for, <laughs> for, for a lot of different reasons there, for sure. He produced uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was a TV version of the, of that tale, and it had Jeff Goldblum in it as Ichabod Crane. I don't know. I remember seeing that on TV, I don't think and that was on VHS. One. But of course, I don't know if it ever got released on DVD or not. But I would love to see that again. Yeah. I mean, it's not you know, no great shakes or whatever. It's just a nostalgic thing. I remember it from back then, but I haven't seen it since. It was written by Michael Hickey, but it's based on a story by Paul Kamey. Uh Michael Hickey 
uh, he would he would basically most be known for this and and Silent Night writer of Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two. You know, I guess he gets credit on that one as well. He was on the crew for the the movie Tusks in 1988. You know, that's basically about it, honestly. I mean, like he doesn't have an extensive resume here, honestly. Like he was uh, himself in Sleigh Bells Ring, the story of Silent Night Deadly Night, which is a video documentary. I'm assuming that must have come out on that uh, Screen Factory Blu-ray because it was in 2017. He was part of Tusk in 1988. And then he wrote Silent Night, Deadly Night, and the characters based by him in part two. That's it. Nothing else. Not even sure if he's still alive or not. I mean, according to this, you know, it looks like he is. But, yeah, he just, I guess he left the business after that. I don't know what he, what he went on to do. Um, but, like I said, it was based on a story by Paul Kamey. And his only credits are this one and the second one, too. And I'm assuming the second one is just, you know, by osmosis, right, because it's his story. I think it was that Paul Kamey that, uh, had submitted a script to, I don't know if the TriStar or whoever, just submitted a script, and then they didn't like the script. It wasn't, it wasn't the same as this movie, but there was something to do with a Santa killer in there, and they took that little piece out and made Silent Night, Deadly Night from it, and I think they gave him a, they probably a few, few of them a few bucks, few of them a, you know, a few bucks or whatever, and a, and a title credit. But, hmm. but uh, they pretty much ripped his whole story apart and just took the Santa killer out and re, and made, and the other guy wrote the, the screenplay to Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, and it was called... I believe initially. <laughs> uh, now that, that's another thing. Yeah, the the working title of this movie was Sleigh Ride. Yeah, S L A Y Sleigh Ride. Yeah, Sleigh Ride. Yeah, <laughs> which is another cool title. You know, I don't think it's uh, that much worse or better than Silent Night Deadly Night. I mean, that's an awesome title too. But either way, you know, I think it would have been all right. This one probably makes more sense for what they're tr the story they're trying to tell. But don't we're Talking about that sleigh ride, don't go out there looking for a book called Sleigh Ride because apparently there's there's an interview with Charles Sellier, the director, where he said something about that they had found a book or something and that the movie was based on the book Sleigh Ride. But uh, I guess he got confused because it was it was that other story I told you about where the Paul Cameo or whatever had written the script and they threw that script out and just took the Santa Killer out and made the movie and called it Sleigh Ride. But yeah. so people have been looking for a novel called Sleigh Ride that Silent Night, <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, there isn't one. Yeah. Does not exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was produced by Ira Barmack, uh, who would be best known for the ABC Afternoon Play Break <laughs> in 1975. A producer on Hotel Colonial. Not not a lot of credits, honestly. He's only got 10 producing credits. Uh, those are just, you know, kind of some of the highlights there that you may or may not have heard of. I mean, like, it looks like he's still alive, but, like, really, like, his last producing credit was... Bills from the Deep, Faith and Superstition in Russia is a documentary in 1993. He's actually got seven acting credits from back in the 70s he was in a couple of tv series and stuff like that an episode of ben casey and the fugitive back in the 60s but otherwise he only has four writing credits for a tv movie called brenda star another one called the other side of victory a third called ordinary heroes these are all tv movies and then uh he wrote the screenplay for hotel colonial so it looks like really like past 1993 he just kind of found something else to do because like he's he has no other credits. So I guess we'll get into the cast. The top name is Lillian Shaven, who plays Mother Superior. Which, you know, she plays the bitch perfectly in this movie, right? <laughs> I'll give her that. Yeah. But she had, uh, let's see, 148 acting credits on IMDb that date all the way back to 1950. She was in an episode of the Craft Theater. That's also awesome, by the way, when we look at like stuff from the 40s and 50s, how, like, It'll be like the Marlboro yeah. Cigarette Theater or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just what they called programs back then. Like, whoever's sponsoring it, yep, you get to name the program, you know? 
but there'll always be like some who's who of actors, you know, that uh, that always played in some random episode of it or something like that. But uh, yeah, all the way through the fifties and into the sixties, a lot of uh, film and TV roles. I mean, she was in uh, an episode of The Adventures of Superman in 1957. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. She was an episode of that in 1958. Perry Mason. You know, it looks like pretty much all the same, all the same kind of stuff. Uh, she's mostly known for. I'll just give you the the the, the known fours on IMDb. She was in Predator Two in 1990. She was in Universal Soldier in 1992. Of course, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then she was also in Catch Me If You Can. You know the Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks flick from uh, 2002. She was in that. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, Lillian Chavin passed away in June of 2008 at the age of 82. Uh, but it looks like she was working all the way up to the end, man. Like she was in a few short films and an episode of the series Ugly Betty in 2007. And then the actual last uh, credit she got as an actress was The Passing and that came out, what, three years after she died uh, in 2011. She uh, had a role in that. So uh, unfortunately, she's no longer with us. But she'll definitely rem be remembered for a, a lot of roles that we, you know, that we just went through. But of I'd say Mother Superior in this movie is definitely one of them, at least in the horror circles, right? Like, <laughs> this is one that's oh, yeah. a remembered role because she's one of the reasons yeah. why this whole movie happens to begin with, really, you know? <laughs> yeah. She's a, well, a catalyst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of big them. Time. The lady that plays Sister Margaret, you know, this is basically the, the one that tries to actually help Billy uh, <laughs> throughout the movie was played by Gilmer McCormick. Uh, she would be best be known for this and uh, the movie Godspell in 1973. Uh, she was in Hill Street Blues, uh, the series from the 80s, uh, a movie called Slaughterhouse Five. I mean, she's only got 14 acting credits, and uh, according to this, she's still alive. Uh, she was born in 1947, but she's still she's still around. But apparently, she just left the business. Basically, uh, she, she was in the uh, episode of the TV series I Had Three Wives in 1985. So this is right after Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then said, "You know what? I'm out." <laughs> it's always interesting to me, like what happened to them. You know, <laughs> they, we ought to do a like, uh, uh, "Where in the world?" or "Whatever happened to this person?" kind of segment with stuff like that, because you know she did have some, you know, some small success, and then just, you know what? Fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number of other ones. I, I, I'll mention obviously the biggest one is the one that plays Billy. I'm trying to, yeah, okay, because there's number like when you're looking at the credits, there's like what three different versions of Billy. Uh, the, the youngest one, oh. Billy at five years old, was played by Jonathan Best. Uh, he was mainly, honestly, like, he, he's only got seven acting credits, and it was like TV movie type stuff. It looks like he's some voices and some cartoons and stuff like that, but not much else. The uh, slightly older version, a few years later, Billy at age eight, was played by Danny Wagner. Same deal, like, actually less. This is his only uh, credit of anything. So I guess he tried it out and said, nope. <laughs> I guess his parents like, holy shit, what did we let our kid do? And then pulled him out. Never did anything ever again. But then the older version of Billy is played by Robert Brian Wilson, who honestly himself, he's only got uh, 14 acting credits because everything else is like self-credits and stuff, you know, probably like in documentaries and stuff like that. Uh, but this was his debut in anything, like feature length, short, whatever. He was in uh, a few TV series uh, such as 30-something and Dynasty, an episode of Perfect Strangers and Knott's Landing. You know, in the years that followed this, uh, there was a TV movie called Gunsmoke, The Last Apache, because, you know, there was a number of those Gunsmoke movies back in, like, the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, he was in a TV series called Generations in 1990. 
and then he played in uh, a handful of episodes in Santa Barbara, the soap opera Santa Barbara, in the early nine, you know, in the mid '80s, all the way into the early '90s. Uh, then an episode of Jake and the Fat Man, but then no, that was in 1992. So all that stuff I just said was basically from '84 to '92, and then nothing at all until two TV movies in 2016. He was in one called The Wrong Roommate and another one called A Husband for Christmas. So imagine having this dude in another Christmas. Ironic. Movie. <laughs> yeah. But so his first movie was a Christmas slasher movie, and his last movie so far has been yeah, and it looks another, like looks like it would be on a. The Hallmark Channel. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, Husband for Christmas. That's exactly what it looks like. Like one of those, if it's not, dude, it's got to be. Because it's, uh, yeah. it's one of those like Hallmark looking things. It's got like Eric Roberts and Vivica Fox in it, you know. So like, it's got to be one of those Hallmark movies. So yeah, that's, that's basically the bookends of his acting career so far. Like I said, he's still alive. Just, you know, I guess just found some other things to do for a long time there because didn't do anything until that, really. So once again, it's always interesting, especially someone like that who's like basically the face of a cult classic. You know, you would think somewhere, somewhere along the line, you know, he would have been in something else in all those years, but not, not, not until just a few years ago, and then nothing else since. So it's like he dipped his toes back in and said, "You know what? Nah, I'm just going to go back to selling real estate or whatever the hell I was doing." I know he was embarrassed about this movie for a while. <laughs> I read something like that. Was, I guess uh, I wouldn't be, but I guess, you know, you could understand it if you're trying to be, like, something serious and then, like, you're in this that becomes a controversial thing and you're basically the face of it. Yeah. You could see it, you know, like, well, you know what, I'm going to step back. Like, <laughs> I could see yeah. why, but, you know, it is what it is. There's a number of other, like, recognizable faces and stuff, you know, in the movie. I'm blanking on what was the name of the boss of the guy because I've seen that guy in some other stuff and I can't, I can't think of what his name was. Mr. Sims, yeah. Mr. Sims, yeah, that that was played by Britt Leach. That was the one that I wanted to bring up because he is a, a somewhat recognizable face in like small character actor type roles, especially throughout the eighties. I mean, he was in Weird Science, The Great Outdoors, The Last Starfighter. He's still alive, but like apparently, like he, like I said, he had a good run in the eighties, and then in nineteen ninety one, he had an uncredited role in Father of the Bride. You know, the one with uh, Steve Martin. And then that's it. Uh, he was in one of my favorite shows from back in the 80s, The Master. And then, you know, The, the Master, we, we've talked about this on the show before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lee Van Cleef as a ninja. Yeah. Lee <laughs> Van Patten was in it. We should just watch every episode of that and then just do one whole review of that show. <laughs> well, we can watch the whole, the whole thing is only like 13 episodes. It only yeah. lasts like one season. Or part yeah. of it. So there you go. Like I said, tons of all the 80s series and stuff like that, you know, th throughout the decade, but... Uh, the role in the great outdoors. And I think that one was a, a pretty recognizable role in that one. Wasn't that, wasn't that one of the guys that was talking about the the, the bald headed bear ass or something like that? <laughs> it was yeah, one of, it was yeah, one of those yeah. like standout weird character actor roles. But he was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt, Murder She Wrote. Literally the last two things he did, like I said, was an episode of Quantum Leap in 1991, and then Father of the Bride, and then stepped away. So uh, recognizable face, just for whatever reason, just went into other things. But the the only other one I'll mention before we get into the movie. Because uh, this is the first time we've ever done, that I can recall, we've ever done a movie with her in it, believe it or fucking not, Linnea Quigley as Denise. Somehow. Yeah, yeah we found the Linnea Quigley movie under the yeah, belt. Some fucking how, we've gone three plus years of doing this podcast, and we haven't actually talked about no, a damn Linnea no, Quigley movie. No. We did. No, we did. We did do it. Return of the Living Dead. I forgot that we oh, did Oh, yeah, that. damn. You're right. Yep. Good Lord. How could I forget that? <laughs> Maybe, you know what, I know what I'm thinking of now, because it wasn't long after we did Return of the Living Dead, where you met Linnea Quigley at, like, one of those uh, 
conventions. Oh yeah. And then you yeah. got that little sound snippet, like uh, you know, from her that I play, that I played at the beginning of the show. And I'm thinking, I think what I was thinking about was this is the first time we were able to use it in a movie that she was in. Because I think we have used it a time or two before, like in our anniversary show or something like that. You know, like yeah, her tossing to you're listening to the All American Spook Show or whatever. But yeah, this is the first time that we've actually talked about a movie that she was in. And we're able to use that clip, so maybe that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, even even still, though, only two movies uh, for a, for an eighty scream queen. That's all we've been able to pull so far. I mean, she has. And if you a, look on IMDb, she's got one hundred and seventy four credits. Yeah. <laughs> and we've only done. And we've only come. And we, two, this so. is the second. Yeah, that's crazy. And she's still active today. Still does stuff, you know, up to this day. And and there's stuff that's in pre production that she's filming that hasn't come out yet. So very active still today. But Return of the Living Dead, this movie, Night of the Demons graduation day although it's kind of funny out of all the movies that she's done like why they would put silent night deadly night is one of the ones she's known for where she's only in it for like five minutes right you know like there's there's movies she has a a memorable thing you know like she's probably got one of the best deaths in the movie if not and uh you know the whole antler scene and whatever but yeah true out of all the ones from the 80s that she was in i mean she's in she's a scream queen i mean she's in tons of movies from you know, yeah. starting in 1975, all the, all through the 80s till today, and that one's one of the ones you know, <laughs> not uh not Tourist Trap, or uh, what else? Good Lord, just kind of skimming through the movies here, uh, Savage Streets. <laughs> she, she she played even the small of a role in Tourist Trap. I think she was uh she wasn't even, she was one of the mannequins. <laughs> yeah, Creepazoids, Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball, Bolarama, which we've talked about a number of times, which we definitely need to get to. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, we've talked about. Night of the Demons, like I mentioned. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Now, we will get to that. You can guarantee that, even if we don't get to the other ones. We will get to that. The list goes on and on. Good Robot Ninja. <laughs> uh, good stuff. But, yeah, so I just felt it was necessary to mention her since, you know, we don't really often get to talk about her too much and, but we will. I mean, there's tons of stuff to get to there. We just haven't got to it yet. So one of the true horror icons, Linnea Quigley. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Uh, like we always mention, you sign up you know, using audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Uh, they give you a credit. You can take that credit and get any audiobook you know, there on Audible that you'd like. Uh, if you cancel it right after that, you get to keep the book. So it helps us out. You get a free book, one win. I just went in and typed in Christmas Horror just to see what would pop up, and a lot popped up honestly (laughs) like at least around 100 and something here but i'll just read off a couple here off the top the 12 terrors of christmas a christmas horror anthology uh various authors colette melanson lynn lamb uh that one's right at 13 hours long so a lot of listening there 12 days of christmas horror by rick wood uh, and that's apparently the first book of rick wood's horror anthologies and that one's just a little over two hours long so that that sounds interesting and one last one, because this is an awesome uh, title. Hark, the Herald Angel Scream. <laughs> uh, it looks like a, <laughs> kind of like a horror anthology. There's various uh, authors here. Uh, that one is just over 11 and a half hours long. So a lot of good Christmas horror there. And like I said, there's a lot of other good examples, and maybe we can uh, 
read those again on the uh, on the next Audible read because there's plenty to choose from there. So if you're looking for some Christmas horror, go over to audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash bookshow for your free audio book. So like I said, it, it's always a cool deal. You get that credit. You know, you get to keep the book. So uh, help, like I said, helps us out, helps you out. You get a free book, win-win. You scratch our back, we scratch yours. All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and, since we've had a lot of shit to talk about in this movie, we'll go ahead and get into the film itself. Now, it starts off basically in 1971 when a little boy named Billy and his family, uh, they're, they're on a trip to go visit their, uh, his grandpa at a nursing home in Utah where basically his, uh, his, 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 his grandpa, I guess, has got Alzheimer's. I don't know what the hell's going on with him, but he's catatonic. And uh, they're like, all right, Billy. Nope. The sign outside says Utah Mental Home. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, he must have went nuts. Okay. <laughs> there, I, I, like I said, I haven't watched, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched any of the other sequels of this, so I don't know where they take the story, you know, and and, and do they ever explain what the hell happened to Grandpa, like in some prequel or something like that, or <laughs> or do they just like leave it where it, leave it where it lies? Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't recall that. I mean, it's been forever since I've seen the third one. You would think about, I mean, think about it. You would think there's a story there, right? Like, you could probably get, yeah. you could probably get ten or fifteen minutes out of a movie or or a whole movie out of that. Well, hell, let's just go back and say like what, what made his grandpa crazy, you know, what led him to this. But so yeah, his, his grandpa doesn't talk or anything, and so they decide it's it's okay to leave old uh, five year old Billy <laughs> there with a catatonic <laughs> grandpa while they go handle whatever the fuck it is they got to go handle. Of course, grandpa like, immediately wakes up and, and and tells Billy to like be scared of Santa Claus. <laughs> Because he only gives presents to you know kids who've been good, and then he punishes the naughty, and basically just scares the shit out of him right there on the spot. And then that that's the famous pull that you know I pulled the little audio clip in the uh, open that you heard earlier. You know uh, what did he say? Is that you see Santa Claus tonight? You better run, boy. <laughs> better run for your life. <laughs> you better run for your life. <laughs> and then as soon as the parents walk up, he like instantly straightens back up, like. <laughs> Meanwhile, Billy's just sitting there like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, right after this, on their way home, by the way, like, they drive all the way to fuck up here just to say, like, well, he's still in a coma. Time to go. You know, like, <laughs> they're only there for five minutes. Seems like a, a simple phone call would have sufficed, but nonetheless, um, they turn back around and they're going, they're going home. <laughs> and, of course, this motherfucker... All right, so... In between this, you see a little scene of a guy dressed as Santa going to a, a like a gas station and hold it up and like brutally kills the guy, right? Like he shoots him, guy like goes for his gun and then he shoots him twice more, like once in the head. And then he just takes yeah, by off. The way, by the way, if you're ever in a convenience store and you're working there and you got a gun under the counter and you're getting robbed, don't announce that you're about to do something because <laughs> the guy like reaches for his gun under the counter and then I forget what he says, but he says something. It <laughs> tips the guy off. You shoot them. Like, don't say anything. You know? No, no. You need to pull that gun up and use it before it gets used on you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That, that happens in these movies sometimes. That people don't want to announce what they're going to do. Like, yeah. Some um, sound they make or something like. Oh. Yeah. And then, you know, try to, <laughs> yeah. Try to be more subtle. I mean, you've got the gun right there. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. he had he had the drop on him. He didn't even have to raise it up, man. Just shoot him right through the damn. Uh, no. Boom! Yeah, <laughs> that guy wouldn't even know what happened. But anyway, so he he lays the guy, you know, the gas attendant down, and then takes off, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it's only like thirty five bucks or whatever the fuck, right?" 
So he gets in his car and takes off, and then I guess the car breaks down, or maybe it's just a ruse. I don't know what the hell. Billy and his family come upon this guy dressed as Santa, broke down in the middle of the road, and then, of course, he immediately, like, slaughters the family. I guess he's trying to steal the car, right? Like, Billy gets out of the car yeah. and, and runs and hides in the bushes. Billy, I love Billy's reaction first, too, whenever the guy, whenever they see him in the distance and the parents are like, think Billy's in the sleep, asleep in the back seat, and they're like, should we wake him up? You know, because they see, oh, look, at Santa. He's broke yeah. down. It's cute. You know? Yeah. Then Billy's in the back seat already awake, wide-eyed, like, no, no, stop. <laughs> After Grandpa just traumatized the shit out of him. <laughs> So, perfect timing here. Perfect timing. Uh, but, yeah, Billy's reaction is to run the fuck away and abandon his family, like, as fast as he can. Like, fuck this shit, runs out and, like, hides in the bushes. And the dude comes over and slaughters his family. Like, he basically kind of, like, tries to rape the mom, right? And then ends up slit, slitting her throat. Um, this after, like, shooting at the car before he even approaches, right? Yeah, I think he, like, just pulls out a gun and starts shooting at him, right, before... And that's when oh, that, that guy. Oh, he pulled the gun. He, he pulled the gun out, and then I think that's when the the dad like hit the. Didn't he hit it in reverse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, he hits it in hit reverse, round, and then, like, he, goes in the he shot at him as he was putting it in the reverse. And yeah. I guess he he hit the dad. I guess because then he opens the door and the dad falls out because yeah. he's been and, shot. And that's when Billy takes off. Right when the mom is like struggling, he pulls the mom yeah. out. Basically, you know, at least tries to rape her. Um, then slits her throat. Now, this was one of those scenes where you could tell, like, they, they, they spliced it back in on the cut that I watched because you could see him, you know, the the, the, the film degradation part of it, like, you know, it just looked kind of shitty, but you could actually see him, like, you know, as he's over her, uh, cut her throat. Uh, but me, I should mention that he does have a little baby brother in the car, Ricky. Uh, Billy just hides or whatever, and then, like, so basically the parents are dead, uh, Ricky's just, you know, little baby crying in the back seat as Billy's hiding in the bushes. So you fast forward to three years later, uh, in December of 1974 now in the movie. Um, so now you've got Billy is eight years old and his little brother now is four years old, Ricky. They're, they're now living in an orphanage who's, you know, which is now you're introduced to the character mother superior because she's the, the, the nun or whatever that, that runs the, uh, the orphanage who basically just beats the shit out of kids who misbehave and, <laughs> and uh, you know, disciplinarian or whatever and uh, considers punishment to be a good thing or whatever. So she's real harsh on him, even though she knows, like, uh, specifically Billy has been through this horrible, horrible trauma, but yet, yeah, a good smacking will fix him, you know, <laughs> that kind of mentality. So Sister Margaret, who, you know, who's trying to help a little bit more than, you know, wacko Mother Superior, uh, she's trying to help Billy, but, you know, He's regularly getting punished for, you know, every little thing that he does. And, uh, of course, the orphanage invites, like, a man in a Santa Claus suit to visit the kids. <laughs> and then Billy just, lay, <laughs> Billy, like, they, they try to force him to sit on the on Santa's lap, right? And then yeah. Billy's like, oh, hell no, and then punches the dude. I mean, like, lay, lays the motherfucker out. <laughs> Yeah, knocks him out of the chair, like over the chair onto the floor. <laughs> Eight-year-old boy. Both nostrils are bleeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the Santa's like, what the hell? <laughs> As he's sitting there like a bloody noser. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we fast forward to 10 years later. You're now in the spring of 1984. Uh, they're quick to point out that this is the spring. You're not at Christmas time now. So Billy has just turned 18. So now he's like, it's time for him to leave the orphanage, you know, to, to live the normal life. So Sister uh, 
Sister Margaret helps him get a job, like as a stock boy at the local toy store. He eventually, you know, you see like there's these these scenes here. By the way, this is probably a good part to mention because like I think this is where uh, there's like a montage scene with some weird music. The music in this movie is fucking weird. Like these made up Christmas songs. Like aren't Christmas songs like public domain? <laughs> <laughs> like, did they did they have to make up their own Christmas songs for this movie? Couldn't they just use Jingle Bells? <laughs> that, was that, was, that one's a doozy, though. The Santa's watching, Santa's waiting. Yeah. San- Santa's <laughs> creeping. <laughs> it paints quite a picture, no doubt about that. But still, like, yeah. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, what the fuck's up with these songs? Like, I don't remember ever hearing any of these songs at Christmas time. Meanwhile, there's carolers singing these no, songs no, that you've never heard. They, they, and, Oh, yeah, the Carol songs, too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, almost none of them in this movie. I mean, there's a few in there, right? But most of them are, like, songs that I'm pretty sure they just made up, you know? like, Or they just decided, like, hey, let's make our own Christmas songs for this. I get the creepy aspect of it, but still, like, there's plenty of free music for you. You didn't have to go this far, you know? Seems like you added more work for yourself, but... But there's another <laughs> weird, like, unchristmas related song playing, like, during this little montage, right, where he's kind of getting used to working at the toy, toy store and living a normal life, and he gets a crush on his, uh, there's a girl that works there named Pamela. Um, he has a crush on her, and, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about the, uh, when, when he gets punished at the uh, uh, orphanage when he's younger, and he, because uh, he, he, acts, he hears something, and then he goes and looks to the keyhole, and it's like two people in there having sex, and then basically he gets punished for that for some reason, like, <laughs> for sitting there, like, watching it. So th- this is part. Peter uh, goes in there and beats the hell out of the the guy and the girl that are having sex too. Yeah. By the way, who the hell is the guy and the girl? Are they just older orphan kids that are that are there and like they just decided to go into the into the supply room or something and and screw and then <laughs> like that's never explained. Like who the fuck was that? <laughs> were they just visiting the orphanage? Was it two older kids? I, I don't know who they were because it never came up again. It was just like. Yeah. Yeah, they they look like they were like in their early twenties. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, what the fuck are they doing there? <laughs> There's a lot of questionable things in this movie, no doubt. That's one of them. Um, oh yeah. Well, oh, what, while I'm thinking about it, because we might not even remember later, is, is Billy's brother? You know, was in the orphanage with him too. You know, Billy's yeah. brother, who was, I guess under the age of one when the incident happened, and the you know, his parents were killed. And how I don't know how would you say it looked like he was. When they were in the orphanage, that was like four or five years later, I believe, right? Well, yeah, when they yeah cut I think to... like the time jump basically is like it happens in 1971, and then it's 1974, yeah. so that's what, three years later, right? It goes to 1984, quick, quick 10 years math. later. And then 10 years later. So, yeah, he should be, that means he sh- that his little brother would be probably, what, 13, something like that, give or take? Yeah, 13 to And, yeah, yeah, and then there's a scene, I mean, that we get to his brother later, and he doesn't look like he would, he looks like he's, <laughs> Way too young. Yeah, to he looks been, like he's like that. he looks like he's ten instead of like the yeah, thirteen yeah. or fourteen he's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I didn't even know who the fuck that kid was until they're like, ah, Ricky, that's a good boy, much better than his uh his brother or whatever. And then I'm like, ah, oh, okay, that's uh, a <laughs> that's the little kid. Okay, I get it. But the reason I bring up the whole sex thing like that, you know, he sees it through the keyhole or whatever. Like that's a, just another layer that fucks him up like years later because. Now he's having yeah. like thoughts about his coworker Pam, and then and then he sees all these like horrible visions of that, of you know them screwing in that supply closet or whatever, and then you know him getting punished, and then his parents getting or his mom's in particular being raped by Santa. 
So he keeps having these weird <laughs> flashbacks of all this stuff as he's thinking about her. So yeah, that's all part of the montage there. I'm guessing that that was only there, you know, number one, just to add another layer to fuck up this kid, right? But number two, gratuitous sex. It's 1984 and we have to have a gratuitous sex scene in it, right? So <laughs> they had to up the tit ratio <laughs> by slipping in <laughs> this scene of these people screwing in the closet. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, fast forward to uh, on Christmas Eve, <laughs> the the dude that uh, plays Santa, like, uh, can't be Santa, you know, there for the toy store. So, of course, his boss, Mr. Sims, makes Billy become Santa. So everybody in the audience is like, oh, no. You know, <laughs> the one dude. Oh, yeah. Remember the, the first part right before that, whenever they start decorating for Christmas and they're unfurl, you know, putting up the decorations in the store, and then they, but then they unfurl this banner that's got like a big picture of Santa, yeah. and the music is playing like some Christmas music. Yeah. And then the look on Billy's face is like absolute utter horror. Yeah, just, he's terrified, and he's got like the cold sweats. And on banner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the cold sweats, and they and they just completely ignore that when just you know later they yeah. tell him to dress like Santa. So he plays Santa, reluctantly. He plays Santa, and they're like. There's a scene in there where, like, the kids are sitting on his lap or whatever, and the one kid's, like, freaking out, like, oh, I don't want to be in your lap, nah, the little girl. And then he's just like, you better sit still yeah. or I'll punish you. You know, <laughs> he's a like, Jesus, man. He's just uh, basically threatening to come and kill her if she's not cool, you know. <laughs> and, and then the parents, the parents are, like, out of range of hearing, so they can't hear what he said, yeah. but they're, like, they see that she was behaving now and everything, and they're like, "Oh, well, he's such a good, he's so great with kids." Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he just threatened to like slit her throat. Austin's looking at him, like nodding with approval. You know, the yeah. Mr. Sims like, he's mm-hmm. yeah, pretty good. I'm gonna mark it on the on the list there. He's good. So then after the like after this, you know, the, the, the Christmas Eve, the store is closed. Like, all right, Christmas, the Christmas rush is over. Let's have a fucking party. So they they unfurl the tablecloths and pull out the liquor and everything. So instantly, Christmas Eve party there. You know, for the what five or six people they have working there um yeah. that's another great line from mr sims right there too as soon as he locks the door and turns around he's like all right that's it that's the last of the customers let's get shit faced <laughs> <laughs> which especially back in the day this is definitely something that would have happened like you know you don't you don't see and yeah. hear so much things like that anymore like you know small little company Lick, you know, everybody getting liquored up and stuff like that. But yeah, this, back in those days, this is definitely something that would have happened. Like, all right, close the store, pull out the bottles of liquor, let's get to it, you know. But anyways, uh, Billy, he's still in the Santa Claus suit at the party, you know, and he, he's trying to, he kind of warms up, he's having a good time or whatever, but he keeps having these, like, flashbacks and shit of his parents and everything, you know, that's horrible has happened to him. So he's depressed, and then he starts drinking with Mr. Sims, which I'm sure that didn't help the matter. So he sees... the. The guy that works in, with him in the stock room is Andy. He sees him, like, trying to make out with Pamela. Or, actually, he does make out with Pamela. And then they go to the back room, basically, like, you know, Andy's trying to, you know, uh, have sex with Pamela out in the back room. So, at this point, Billy, like, you can see, like, the, the, the switch flipping his head. You know, like, this this is, isn't going to end well. Billy goes into the stock room and kind of, like, as soon as he goes back there, he sees Andy trying to rape Pamela. And that right there, flip. That was all it took. Like, this triggered him to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs right on the spot. And he grabs some Christmas lights and goes over to Andy and hangs him. Like, not off of something either. Like, wraps him around his throat and picks him up by the lights and hangs him and kills him. <laughs> and then it's like something like, uh, good. Something like that, right? <laughs> that he, like, that he just snuffed this person out. Like, because, like, now he's, like, he's got his psychosis now. He's done flipped. He thinks he's basically Santa 
and that he's got to dole out the naughty punishment, right? That's the whole premise of what happens here. Then Pamela's like, what the fuck? And then he just stabs her to death. <laughs> With a box cutter, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he grabbed like a box cutter that was on the shelf there and just goes to town on her. So now two murder. That's a scene where it clips, flips to the extra gore scene from the less pristine print, you know, where you can see the, you can tell where the R-rated cut was, where he goes to stab her. Then they cut, and that's where the R-rated scene would have been. And then they have the added, added scene of him showing the box cutter slicing down her stomach. Then after that, uh, Mr. Sims, who's in there, you know, uh, drinking with uh, Miss Randall, who's like the manager or whatever, uh, he hears something, so he goes back to the back room, and then Billy uh, kills him. I'm, I'm blanking on how he killed him. It was in the back room, but I can't remember what he did to him. Oh. No, he axed him, right? No, the ham. Are you talking about Mr. Sims? Yeah. Didn't he take an axe and brain him in the head? It was a hammer. Hammer, yeah, that's hammer. What it, yeah, yeah. He grabbed the yeah. hammer when Mr. Sims comes back there. Hey, what the hell? And then hammers him, like, you know, and sticks a hammer in his head and kills him. He comes out to the main store or whatever and basically chases down Mrs. Randall. And he sh didn't he shoot her with a bow and arrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he shot her, like, in the gut with a, a yeah, arrow. Sure. So then, of course, like, he takes off after this, and then Sister Margaret shows up because she has now put two and two together. That like, oh, oh, shit. They've done asked him to play Santa. He's going to go ape shit. <laughs> so she goes down to the toy store to help out. And and she just all she does is walk in on the carnage. He's just killed yeah, yeah. four people at this point. So like, well, shit. Uh, <laughs> too little, too late. So she goes back to the orphanage or whatever to get help. <laughs> then Billy randomly breaks into a house nearby where this is where you get the, Lin the Linnea Quigley uh, scene where de uh, she's. Denise and I guess her boyfriend or whatever Tommy they're having sex and they're they're watching like a little girl I guess maybe it's her, her sister or maybe she's a babysitter I don't know it's not that's that whole thing isn't fleshed out but either way like they're downstairs having sex on the pool table and there's a little girl named Cindy upstairs sleeping she goes she hears a noise or whatever and goes upstairs and then she turns around he's there he grabs a hold of her and he impales her uh Denise you know the little Quigley part on a set of deer antlers on the wall. And this you could definitely tell once again the 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 different cut versions or whatever because th they kept flashing back and forth. Like you can tell like the, the regular cut would have been like him grabbing a hold of her and sticking her up there, but you don't really see it. I guess kind of happen. But the, the stuff that they spliced in, you can see like the antlers go through her midsection. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool effect. And then uh, he also, uh, <laughs> Tommy comes upstairs, you know, the guy she was screwing, you know, just prior to that. And he just tosses him through a window. And the fucking brutalness of the window kill. <laughs> this motherfucker just gets oh, thrown, thrown through a window. Meanwhile, they cut to him, and he's got, like, a shard of glass stuck in his head. Like, one, like, bigger than yeah. the size of the window in his Spiria. side. <laughs> you remember Suspiria, the beginning scene of that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Remember that? That kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very, very similar. Uh, so now he's killed two more. So what's that? His total is six now. Then uh, he wakes Cindy up, of course, upstairs, and... Asks if she's been naughty or nice, and she says nice. So then, then he gives her the bloody utility knife that he just that he just killed. Uh, 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 what was her face? Uh, the girl he liked, Pamela. I think he just killed Pamela with it. He just he just hands it to her and then just walks away. And she's looking out like, what the fuck? <laughs> so then then there's this. Uh, this is clearly this is just like to get in a couple more kills scene. So there's these two guys. In the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, they just decide to take their sleds out and go sliding down a hill <laughs> on some virgin <laughs> snow. And then these other two guys come up and, like, kick, you know, basically just beat the crap out of them and take their sleds 
<laughs> for no reason. Like, what the fuck are these guys doing out in the middle of the woods at, like, you know, some late hour of the night on Christmas Eve <laughs> fighting over sleds and shit? But whatever. Here, here we are. So these <laughs> other two guys. Yeah, they're having a good time at it. Yeah. I get Well, you know, to each their own. But maybe this is some country shit. I don't know. <laughs> this is beyond me. But So this is what they do on Christmas Eve. But <clears throat> these other two guys come along, take their sleds, and then – the one guy slides down the hill, and he's waiting for the other guy to come down. And then Billy walks up and just decapitates the motherfucker as he's sliding down the hill. And then, like, the rest of his uh, corpse just comes on down the hill. And the guy's like, what the? Ah, you know, he starts screaming. And then the head rolls down the hill. <laughs> so, like I said, I guess this was all just to set up, you know, a, a headless a headless corpse gag. Yeah. What kind of cool decapitation we can get here with a sled, yeah. you know, a sled motion, head getting chopped off? Yeah. How do we fit in the movie somewhere? <laughs> oh, well, okay. Let's not worry about how it actually fits. Let's just do it. All right. Sounds good. So that's up to, what, eight murders now. Uh, so then the next morning, the orphanage, because now they've put two and two together, like he's probably heading to the orphanage. So, it, uh, you know, they got a couple cops there and uh, Sister Margaret, you know, who... Now they know that Billy has done this, and so now they're, you know, kind of on, on alert. So a guy shows up at the orphanage dressed in a Santa suit, and the cops just shoot him dead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, God, that wasn't Billy. That was Father O'Brien. He must not have heard you because he's deaf. Because <laughs> they're, like, they're like, he's dressed like Santa, and he didn't respond. Yes, because he's deaf. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Terrible. I just shot a priest yeah. and Santa. Yeah, a deaf priest at that. My God, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> you can't help but laugh, though, at the setup of the whole thing. Like, oh, Jesus, they just, that wasn't Billy. That was a priest, and he was deaf. That's why he didn't respond. <laughs> um, so, now, if you think that's fun watching it yourself, try seeing that movie on a big screen. With a bunch of like-minded people, and yeah, they're yeah. Like, like, that was part of the thing I was talking about. Where there's certain scenes in there where you kind of think it's kind of, oh, you know, it's kind of funny in a B movie kind of way, until you get in there with an audience. Yeah. End up curious, and, and then everybody's <laughs> just rolling. <laughs> yeah. You just you just you just uh, shot to death a, a deaf pastor, and everybody's just laughing. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, like, so Officer Barnes, you know, he's the one left, like, patrolling the area. Uh, he eventually catches a, a, the axe to the chest by Billy. Like, he goes out to this little outshed or whatever that was, like a, a utility shed that goes underground, and he comes back up, and then Billy catches him right in the chest with the axe, and he falls back down the stairs. So, what, that's uh, nine murders you can pin on Billy. Uh, then now uh, Billy goes into the orphanage and confronts Mother Superior, who's, you know, what, 10 years older, and now she's in a wheelchair. And uh, she, she's basically just like, fuck this dude, he's a pussy. <laughs> she's still, like, taunting this dude, uh, uh, you know, over the whole matter. Uh, and he, like, raises up the axe or whatever, and he's about to kill her. And then uh, uh, one of the cops comes in with, uh, I, right at that time with, like, Sister Margaret, right, and shoots him in the back. And then uh, Billy drops dead to the floor. And then right, or no, he didn't drop dead. He drops to the floor, and then right before he dies, he's like, you're safe now. Santa Claus is gone. And then he dies. And then you cut over to uh, his brother, Ricky, remember who we mentioned earlier, <laughs> who's supposed to be 14, but he looks more like 10. Uh, he just kind of, like you know, he's got like this, like, eat shit and die look at Mother Superior. 
and then he just says naughty and that's the end of the movie <laughs> so clearly setting up that now that he's going to be the nutcase of the of the story so there you go silent night deadly night from 1984 the the movie that started a little mini franchise there with four more sequels and then a reboot in 2012 so obviously like we said will and donnie weren't able to be here to give their star rating and all the other stuff but uh so i guess i'll toss to you first what's your what's your star rating on this one this is a movie i've seen many times and it's one of those that's just i think i think it's a classic christmas horror uh it's not my favorite my favorite of the christmas horror films i've seen so far is Still the original Black uh, Black Christmas, but this is probably the second. I had to like choose of all the Christmas horror movies I've seen, and I haven't seen all of them yet, but seen a good many of them. This is probably my second one, and that also comes with the nostalgia of having seen it back then in the you know '86 or so when I first saw it and seen it many times over the years. Uh, and I enjoy it every time. It's fun. It's, seeing it on the big screen, like, as I mentioned, was just amazing. I was with a like-minded bunch of like-minded people. Uh, that just cemented it even more. Uh, I have to go, I don't think I can go any lower than three and three quarter stars. I enjoy it. I mean, it's probably not worth, <laughs> probably not worth that rating when you talk about filmmaking as far as the logistics and technicalities in, of filmmaking or whatever. I just enjoy the hell out of this movie as a, as a Christmas horror film. So yeah, three and three quarter for me. Myself, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go two and three quarters. It's not that I dislike the movie. It's just that, like, basically, based on my own scale, I have to go a little bit less than Black Christmas. And now, I guess, to be fair to you, I'll tell you because I I, I pulled it up while you were talking. You gave Black Christmas. Oh. You gave Black Christmas three and three quarters. So. Oh, it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, about the same. So, like, I gave yeah, Black Christmas three quarters, and I think I like Black Christmas a little more than this. So I'm just gonna go slightly below it myself. Yeah, I do like I do like Black Christmas better, but I, I probably would have. I mean. I don't know. I probably would have given Black Christmas four. I don't really know why I didn't give it four, but yeah. since I gave it three and three quarter, I'm gonna give. I'll go down to three and a half on this one. Okay. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, uh, just for full disclosure, that's probably fair just to do that now. You know. Yeah. And and you know, once we do the fourth anniversary show next, you know, next uh, October, uh, you know, we can have a chance to go up or down or whatever. But I think if you're just comparing uh, these movies to each other, you know, and I'm not gonna go through all the Christmas movies that we've talked about. But I think Black Christmas yeah. is a fairly good comparison to this, as far as the the higher ranked uh, Christmas films, Christmas horror movies. Uh, I'm going to go slightly below that one. That doesn't mean I don't like this one. It's just it's a it's just a notch below that one. But getting back to this one though, I think it's everything, pretty much everything you would want if you were wanting to watch a Christmas slasher flick. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, because even Black Christmas, I know it's kind of considered one of the early slasher flicks, right? Fricks. <laughs> early slasher <laughs> flicks. But I think this one takes it to another level as far as it's a different type of slasher, you know? So yeah. if you're just wanting to see some, some good 80s, cheap thrills and kills, popcorn type flick, this is the one for you for sure, in my opinion. Because um, Black Christmas is a little bit deeper and a different setup and everything. So it's a... It's almost oh, yeah. like an, an different, different, a whole completely different type of scenario there. I'll say that, but it'll be interesting to see what you know Donnie and Will thought about it, because um, you know I, I think you and I are very similar in our in our thoughts on these type of movies, and 
sometimes they're similar to each other but different from from us you know what i mean so it will be interesting to see what they've got to say about it all right so like i said uh will and donnie couldn't be with us to give us their star ratings will be interesting to see what they say about it there but uh so we'll get the connections from the crypt and the, and the kill count which i believe the kill count just you know uh not the kill wills bit uh i believe it would be what i think we pinned eight no eight on him oh. and then there was the okay. the cop or the the cop shot the priest so what nine well, no, you got to count the parents too. So that's ten and eleven. And the store, the store, cl- yeah. the clerk, the yeah, first store clerk. By so the Santa. twelve. So yeah, I think we're unless we're missing one or miscounted there, we're looking at what twelve or thirteen. Got Billy. How so, about Billy? You counted Billy himself getting killed. Yeah, true. Yeah, there you go. So that's probably about thirteen or fourteen then, give or take. So that sounds about right. And we'll get the official count from Will, you know, since that's kind of his bit, and he'll get the number. But I'll go ahead and toss it the Gore score with you. <laughs> Gore score. All right, so uh, this one is is pretty juicy, especially the R-rated cut. You know, the, again, with the Gore score being based on Chaz Valen's Gore score back in the 80s and early 90s, uh, he did do Silent Night, Deadly Night in his Gore score, and he gave it a he gave it a five. Now, I don't know if that's based on the R-rated. I don't know if that maybe that had been based on the, when it came out in theater. But at any rate, I think it, I think it's more than a five for sure, at least in the uncut version. I don't know if he saw that version back then. I would assume he did, though. But, but uh, I'm going to diverge from uh, Chaz's rating on this one and go up to uh, bump it up to about a seven, I think. This has got some pretty intense, you know, it's not super, super gory. Of course, there's gut, blood and guts flying everywhere, but the kills are, are, are bloody, especially in that unrated print. So, uh, and, and they're frequent. So we, there's at least 13 or 14 somewhere in there for the body count. And uh, most of them are having pretty interesting kills. Uh, you had a well, Linnea Quigley getting it with the deer antlers and showing them poking through and everything. That was pretty gory. And then you have uh, her boyfriend getting thrown through the window and then with the glass shards in him. Uh, you have the box cutter cutting Pamela. The hammer. And you have the after effect. You, you get the hammer through the head of Mr. Sims, but you don't see it right then. You know, He hits them in the head with the hammer. I guess you see blood. Flatter on some boxes and some brain matter. It looks yeah. like the mom. And then you later, and then... a little bit, minute later, so see the aftermath. Right, we're sitting on the boxes with a hammer yeah, on yeah. top of his head. The mom getting raped and like her throat slit. You know, especially in that you know the newer cut or whatever. You know, the splice in cut. It's pretty rough. Yeah, and you have the axe in the stomach of the cop. Not that that one too. It like that one's a go. You felt it though. Whenever he came back up those steps and he was up there, and then he gets the kind of like the shining. You know, when Jack Nicholson, you know, swings the axe into. Batman Crothers character, right in the gut. You feel it. And then he goes down the stairs and you see the aftermath of the axe sticking out of the stomach. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that, there's a lot. But, uh, I mean, it's not like super gory to where it would be a 10 or anything. So, but I'll pull it back to a 7. Again, that's diversion from Chaz gave it a 5, but I, I almost feel like that would be the R-rated cut. You know, probably you give it a 5 for the R-rated cut. But yeah, I you think, would uh, have to imagine if he saw... You, you would imagine if he's watching the same cut back then that we just watched, you know, recently, he's got, he, you would think he would bump that up to a six or seven for sure. Yeah. 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 You just see more of it in that cut. So yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. All right. So that's, that's really, that's all we've got for, uh, uh, silent night, deadly night. And, uh, I'm sure we'll dip back into this series in, in the following years, but in two weeks, uh, well, I guess I should mention next week, 
uh, you know, we'll be going back to the Spook Show Spotlight Well, and that will be our Holiday Horror Part 2 that will come out episode 86 on December 13th. That is basically where we're just going to be talking about Christmas horror movies since part one was, you know, all about Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, and New Year's horror flicks. Uh, we're going to be focusing on Christmas horror next week. So come back next Monday at 6 p.m. East for a deep dive into uh, Christmas horror movies. Basically, we'll just kind of be skirting through all we can. Um, and there's a lot more there for sure. So a lot to talk about there. So if you want to deep dive into just Christmas horror in general, that's for you next week. But the week after that, in two weeks, episode 87, will be a newer Christmas horror release. And this one was decided on in our November poll last month over on Patreon at patreon.com slash aaspookshow. Uh, and and uh, don't forget, you can go over there right now and sign up and become a patron so you can vote on the December poll for a movie that we're going to be watching in January. So go check that out. And you can see all that on our socials and stuff. But uh, the one that won last month will be The Ginger Dead Man from 2005. So <laughs> I hope we can have Donnie and Will, all four of us can be there for this one cause, because holy shit. This movie is going to be uh, plenty of fun to be had on this one. Uh, it stars Gary Busey, directed by Charles Band. So that's all you need to hear, right? Like, do I need to really read the synopsis? But I will anyways. An evil yet adorable gingerbread man comes to life with the soul of a convicted killer. This real-life cookie monster wreaks havoc on the girl who sent the killer to the electric chair. So it's a, I guess in a lot of ways it's a very similar premise to, like, Child's Play, right? Except... A fucking gingerbread man. So. Uh, <laughs> they, they took the movie Shocker and Child's Play and like yeah, bad out digit it. <laughs> yeah, and throw it in a blender and, and it came out as a gingerbread man. So, yeah. the Ginger Dead Man from 2005 will be what we watch uh, in two weeks. So, lots of uh, cool programming coming up. Like I said, the Spook Show Spotlight next week, Ginger Dead Man the week after that, and then our very last show of the year, our, our official last show of the year of 2021 will be episode 88, 2021 year in review. So where we'll be talking about all the movies, uh, well, not all the movies, but a lot of the horror movies released in 2021. We'll kind of go down the list of, uh, here's some of the ones that I watched, Smoke, Donnie, Will, you know, if, if whatever they've watched, I can guarantee they've probably watched far less than you and I have. But regardless, we'll talk about all we've watched, uh, maybe some other stuff that we haven't watched, uh, you know, all in, in, in uh, prep for, you know, not only putting 2021 behind us, but getting ready for 2022. So that's what we got coming up here for the month of December. So lots going on. So be back with us, and hopefully uh, we'll be somewhat getting back to normal with all four of us here on the program uh, sooner or later. So it, it just just keeps falling apart, you know, to where all four of us can't be there at the same time. But either way, we keep, we keep bringing out the hits. So uh, for Will and Donnie, who couldn't be with us, and uh, for the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.